The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. There's a high when you go on stage and you see all these people like just loving your music and loving you and stuff. And there's these girls and all these people going, <sighs> worshiping me. When you see all those people just going nuts for you, it's like, you know, it, it puffs you up inside. You're like, you know, I'm important. That's where drugs can creep in and, you know, cocaine or whatever. Methamphetamines crept in. And it all came from after drinking for me and, and my friends. And uh, it seems like fun in the beginning. It's a lie because it, it, it turns around on you. It starts to wear on your personality. It starts to wear on your relationships. And everything is affected by it negatively. Everything. ended up with a everyday crippling addiction to methamphetamine and everything that I said about my ex-wife came true for me. I sunk to the lowest gutter I could ever think of. I would spend time with my kid and I would still be on it because I needed it to function. I'd get up in the morning, have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and snort meth and then take her to school or whatever. It was just, I was a junkie. I started losing my mind. I'm a junkie and uh, I'm gonna die. Have you ever had a moment when you feel like you were in deep water? Like you were in way over your head. Maybe you had uh, some confidence and so you stepped out and tried to do something ambitious and you discovered that you were overconfident and, and so some, you got yourself in trouble. Or, or maybe it was just life blowing up in your face. Life has a way of doing that, doesn't it? And inevitably, you find yourself in, over your head, in trouble, going, how did I get here? What went wrong? And, and when you're in over your head, you learn very quickly hard lessons to respect the troubles and dangers of life around you, and it instills in you uh, a fear. Your overconfidence becomes replaced with uh, hard knock life, and that gives you a sense of reality and fear and a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of sense of insecurity to not be quite so confident the next time you find yourself in deep water. I, I know for me, um, I, you know, my story maybe wasn't quite like Brian's, you know, it wasn't the, the riches and the fame and the, the money and the drugs. For me, I just decided to go surfing in a hurricane. Yep, thought that would be a great idea. I thought that'd be a lot of fun. And so I brought a buddy with me. Uh, we were in college and went out, drove out to the ocean, jumped in the water and spent an hour trying to dive under the waves to get out to the breaks so that I could actually take a breather. So after an hour, totally exhausted, out past where the waves are crashing, I sat there on my surfboard trying to catch my breath, not paying attention to the waves around me and got smashed by a 10-foot wave. Everything went black, not because I got knocked out, because I got shoved so far underwater that I couldn't figure out which way was up. As I was spinning underwater, uh, I curled up like a ball and started getting dragged on the bottom of the ocean. Uh, and, and those moments, you learn to respect 
the circumstances of life around you. And I think that's how most of us find ourselves after we've tried to pursue some dreams. We went from being on top of the ocean, man. We were up there. We were living the dream. We were having the good life. And all of a sudden, reality smashes us. And we find ourselves blacked out, uh, getting tossed in the waves of reality. And I don't know what what went wrong in your life. I don't know what created the fears. But you and I both know those fears are the reality check that comes from life going badly. And, and when you look at those fears, you go, it's, it's, my fears are not misplaced. They're appropriate. I've learned to respect that life is pain and trouble and difficult and hard. Life isn't easy. It doesn't just throw you, you know, it doesn't just lob it in. Life is out to get you and mess you up and throw you off your game and wreck our lives. And so I want to bring you back and tell you an ancient story about some guys that got themselves into deep water. And uh, so the story goes like this. You have, you have a group of followers, friends, who connect with this guy, Jesus. Jesus invites these 12 guys to become his students. One of them is a guy who's used to water. Actually, a whole group of them were fishermen used to water, but one in particular, a guy named Simon, he's kind of the most rugged of the group. He becomes a follower of Jesus because Jesus says to him, I want you to stop fishing, come follow me, and I'm gonna use you to change the world. You're going you're gonna, to, instead of throwing nets out to catch fish, you're going to be throwing nets out to catch people, and their lives are going to be radically changed. And that's exactly what begins to happen. As these guys follow Jesus, crowds start following Jesus. He starts changing people's lives. People who are sick become healed. People who are dead begin to live. People who are hungry are fed. Lives are beginning to be changed. Up to, there's crowds that start following Jesus, like 25,000 people just following Jesus around. And and these uh, followers, these friends, these disciples of Jesus, they're, they're getting excited. They're like, dude, look at this. It's happening. We're changing the world. They're, they're on the surfboard. They're not paying attention to the, the, the hurricane, getting ready to smash them. And, and so one day, you know, the huge crowds are following, and, and Jesus is getting pressed by the crowd so much so that he keeps backing up. The crowd's pushing in, and he's backing up, and to the point where they back him all the way up against the sea. And so he gets into one of the fishing boats, pushes out a little bit from shore, and teaches the crowd from the boat. Then, then Jesus says, all right, we got to get away from the crowds. This is getting a little out of control. Because Jesus' goal was not to build a kingdom on earth, but to build a kingdom in people's hearts. And so he, he pulls away his friends from the crowd, and they sneak away, but the crowd follows them. They cross the lake, they go to the other side, and the crowd shows up there. 25,000 people just following Jesus wherever he goes, and these people get hungry. And so Jesus does what only Jesus can do, and he he feeds the crowd of followers with two loaves of bread and a few fish, and the whole crowd is fed. It's a miracle. And now the crowd's even more excited. And that day, as Jesus feeds this crowd, there's so much energy and excitement. There's like a frenzy. 
His closest friends are like, Jesus told us that we were going to change the world. And, and there's this excitement. There's this building momentum. You can feel it. It's, it's palpable. And, and the story is the moments captured in John chapter 6, verse 14. After the people saw the miraculous sign that Jesus did, they began to say, surely... This is the prophet who is to come into the world. This is the Messiah. This is the one. He's, he's going to be our king. And so that's exactly becomes their plan. They have a dream. They have a plan. They want to go surfing in a hurricane. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him a king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus pulls away. And, and the very next concept that comes is this, and, and it, there's a parallel story. It's recorded by one of those close friends, a guy named Matthew, who used to be a crooked IRS agent. Not for the U.S. government, but for the Roman Empire. And uh, Matthew records the story, the story of the life of Jesus. His, his written account of the life of Jesus is in the Bible is called the Gospel According to Matthew. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it records what's next, right? So Jesus, knowing that they're going to try to make him the king by force, pulls away. He takes his, his closest friends and he pulls away. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Okay, so here's what's going on. Jesus sees that the crowd has their own ideas. They have their own plans for him. They want to use his miracles and his power, his abilities, his... his uh, Charisma. They want, to, they want to raise him up to overthrow Rome, the Roman Empire and to make him the king of Israel and reestablish Israel as a, as a dominant force on earth. But Jesus, seeing the intoxicating power of success, withdraws from the crowd, sends his disciples away, and then it says, then he dismisses the crowd. Now, that's not an easy task. You got 25,000 people who intend to make you king. He literally, he has to work at telling them, this is not why I've come. Success in your mind is not success in the mind of God. This is not my purpose. It's not to build a kingdom of men. It's to build a kingdom of God. And he rebukes them and sends them away. This is not why I'm here. Meanwhile, you've got his friends confused out of their minds. I, I thought this is why Jesus told us we should follow him. I thought the whole point was the crowds. And, and now he's dismissing crowds and sending us away. Go get in the boat. Go four miles upstream or up the lake, and I'll, and I'll meet you at your destination. These guys are confused. They're frustrated. They're disillusioned. They feel like Jesus isn't even following through on his own word, his own promise. You made a commitment that we would live this dream, and now we, we're right at the cusp of fulfilling a dream, and you're sending away the crowds, and you're telling us to go on a boat ride. Well, things go from bad to worse, as they inevitably do. We're going to continue with the story. He went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came... He was there alone, but the boat where he had sent the 12 disciples 
was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. All right, so here's what's going on. This, this lake that they're on is known. It's infamous for sudden violent storms. And these guys were used to this lake because they were fishermen. And what they knew is that storms wreck your lives. You get caught on this lake at the wrong moment and you're going to get destroyed. They knew the power of these storms. They knew the violence of the storm. They, they had friends who died from these storms. And, and here's the deal. They were supposed to get on a boat, about two, two and a half hour boat ride up, up shore. It takes about four, hour, uh, four miles from where they got in to where they were supposed to be to meet Jesus. They're, they're paddling, you know, they're, they're, they're in the boat, they're traveling, but this storm hits and now... It's 4 to 5 a.m. They've been in this boat for like several hours. About eight hours in, a little bit how, like how I felt trying to surf in a hurricane, fighting the waves, fighting the waves, fighting the waves. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted just waiting to get wrecked, right? And that's these guys. Eight, seven, eight hours in a boat. It's 4 to 5 a.m. They've been fighting this storm. They've been struggling, and they know they're in deep trouble. There is no way. They should have been right next to shore, and now they're way out in the middle of this lake where they should not be. Life has gone terribly wrong. Fear, anxiety, worry start to overtake them. Self-doubt, all confidence has vanished. When Jesus is with them, they had some confidence. Jesus rallies crowds. Jesus does miracles. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus feeds the hungry, but Jesus isn't in the boat. And they are in trouble. And it continues to get worse from there. You think, how much worse can it get? I guess the only thing worse is the boat sinks and they all die. Well, that's pretty much what they see coming next. Verse 25. During the fourth watch of the night, so this is where it's about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, um, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake, not something most fishermen are used to seeing. Just saying. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. All right, so here, here's what this looks like. Um, these guys know they're about to die. They're exhausted. They've been on this lake for seven, eight hours. The storm is just wreaking havoc in their lives um, like you and I have experienced. I, I, what, what storm has dragged you far away from your destination? What troubles have put you into deep water? What, what has dragged you out far away from your intended destination and dream and left you fighting for your life? Left you wondering if you're even going to make it out of this alive? What, what, what troubles have left you believing more in the problem than the God who can rescue you? And, and so in this situation, that's where these guys find themselves, and Jesus comes walking out on the water, and when they see him, they do what anybody would do. They think it's the Green Ripper. They're horrified, the Grim, Grim Reaper. I, I don't know, I said it right. The Grim Reaper, right? They're like, there it is. There's the death angel. Now, this makes total sense, right? Like, if you, this would be the scenario. You're driving way too fast down the road. You're driving wildly out of, like, wildly too fast. And you get in a horrible car accident. And then you see an angel. You see somebody wearing an all-white clothing, and it, like, they're glowing. You, you and I are thinking the same thing. 
we're dying, and the angel's coming to take me away, right? And that's exactly what they're seeing. They see, an, they see this guy walking on the water, and they're thinking, we're meeting our maker. This is the end. This is how the whole story ends. They're horrified. It actually says that. They cry out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Hopefully you're taking notes. In your program, there's a place to take notes. In the study guide that we gave you, we started the series, there's a place to take notes. Feel free to use a smartphone or tablet. If you're online with us, feel free to use the, the, uh, the note-taking section. I want to encourage you all to write this down. There, there is strength. There, there's some, something significant about taking notes. Here's why. If you're anything like me, you forget most of what you hear, uh, especially in sermons. I get it. I, I'm just like you. Like, I forget a lot of things. So when I write it down, it goes from my hand to my head to my heart, and hopefully it becomes a part of my habits. And, and that's why I encourage you to write this down. Here, here's what I want you to record. Faith triumphs over fear. Life troubles inevitably create fear, where we find ourselves in deep trouble, in deep waters, in over our head. Life blows up in our face. The waves come crashing down after you fight for your life, and you, you find yourself in a lot of trouble. Faith triumphs over fear. The story, here's what we discover. There's a comeback moment. And I believe that the comeback moment for these disciples, and specifically for Simon Peter, his comeback can become our comeback. Because we discover that in the midst of fear, we can learn how to live by faith. Live with faith that conquers or triumphs over fear. Here is what I see in this story. Every one of us want to live significant lives. These guys who have big plans for how they're going to use Jesus. They're going to use Jesus to overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish Israel, and they're all going to become generals in Jesus' army, and they're going to become rulers and counselors and advisors as Jesus sends up his, sets up his government on earth. But Jesus has other plans for their life because he wants to build his kingdom in their hearts. Jesus wants to do something greater in their life than he wants to do through their life, but that's going to require them learning to trust him, and begin, it's going to require them to begin to live by faith even in the midst of fear. It's incredible that in this story, Jesus walks out to them. And I, I, want, I want you to know something. Jesus knows right where you're at. Now, when I went surfing in the hurricane, like, like a dork, you should not do that, I actually did bring a friend, as I said, but he didn't pay attention at all. So here I was, struggling for my life, and he had no idea. And some of you feel like that's where God's at. You're struggling for your life, and you're thinking, God has no idea. But while Jesus is up on the mountain in prayer, he knows exactly where his friends are. He knows where they are, he knows what they're struggling with, and he intends to go out to them. 
So Jesus steps away from his, relation, from his moment of prayer, and he walks straight out on the water, miraculously, supernaturally, powerfully, right out into the storm in the midst of their troubles, into their chaos, into their pain, into the waters that are deep over their heads. He walks right out to them, walks straight toward them, and even though when they see them, see him, they are terrified, he keeps walking straight to them. He knows right where you're at. He knows the trouble you're in. He knows the setbacks you have experienced. He knows the chaos of the storms of your life. He knows the waters that are about to overtake you. He knows the waves that are crashing in around you. He knows the trouble you're in. And he is walking your way. He loves you. He walks right to you. In fact, he has already walked into the greatest troubles of your life because every one of us are far deeper in over our heads than we could possibly imagine in fact you and i were born in deep water let me explain when you and i were born we were born with a drive that pushed an engine that would willingly steer us far away from god And so the moment we had the opportunity, you and I turned the wheel of our life and immediately started steering far away from God. We we have a desire to go in the opposite direction of God. Those desires uh, push us to make decisions to go in the opposite direction of God. And you know exactly what I'm talking about. You and I, we've done this over and over and over again. Everybody knows it's a dumb idea to go surfing in a hurricane. But when you're young, you think it's an awesome idea. And it wouldn't matter if my mom told me don't do it. It wouldn't matter if my girlfriend told me don't do it. This is a great idea. This is going to be a blast. Until you're rolling in the black, face down, in the hurricane, getting crushed by a wave. See, you and I, because of this thing called sin that drives us in the opposite direction of God, we set ourselves up for setbacks and destruction. The greatest setback is called sin, and it's out to destroy our lives. And it's not just out to do it, it actually accomplished its work. You and I have destroyed our lives through sin. The consequence of sin is that every one of us live our lives on a crash course trajectory, getting smashed by the wave of sin being thrown into the tumultuous waters of eternal judgment. We spend forever separated from God, paying the consequence of our sin. But God, but God, away from our situation, sees right where we're at, and he walks right into the storm. So that there, here's what I want you to write down. You, you want to know how you experience a faith that triumphs over fear? Well, fear triumphing faith is in Jesus alone. The, everything around you, counselors, self-help books, all the people you're going to watch on TV, turn it on. Listen to what it's telling you. Talk to a friend. You know what they're going to tell you when you're in deep water? You're going to get through this. You can make it. Gain some courage. Come on. Keep trying. I know that people have died in your life. I know that you just got that horrible diagnosis. I know you've made some bad decisions and you're in deep trouble. I know you're an addict and your life is a mess. Hey, just keep fighting. Keep trying. You can do this. I have bad news for you. You can't do it. You're destroyed. Our life is a mess. We're in deep trouble. We can relate to Brian Welch. We are in deep trouble. Our fears are well-placed. But Jesus 
Jesus comes out on the water, meets us right where we're at in the middle of our storms. I, I have long wondered about this story. So I, I re- when I was preparing this message, I was researching it. <laughs> to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? Here's the picture. These guys are in a boat, in a storm. They see a ghost that they think is the Grim Reaper, and they're like, hey, Simon, Simon Peter goes like this. Hey, Jesus, if it, that's really you, why don't you call to me and tell me to come out to you? I think that's a bad test. <laughs> like, how about, Jesus, if that's you, calm the storm. <laughs> I, here's the deal. It wasn't a test. Here, here's what it really was. It was a cry of help. Here, here's what was going on. Peter, a fisherman, is so used to the storms of this sea, lake, this sea he knows he's going to die. When you know you're going to die, when you know the wave is going to crush you and lead toward your eternal ruin, you do desperate things. Jesus, help. I need you. And if that means getting out of the boat of certain destruction to desperately get to you, I will do whatever it takes to get to you, Jesus. Walking onto the water even if it meant my ruin, would be better than staying in the boat of certain ruin. You, you want to experience faith that triumphs over fear? Then it must be placed in Jesus alone. There is no other place you can put your faith. Not in yourself, not in your abilities, your talents, not in a counselor, not in a financial consultant, not in your career, not in your spouse or your hope for a spouse. There is nothing else with, else with which you can put your confidence. There is no other life preserver except faith in Jesus Christ alone, who walks out onto the water, who saw us when we were in our most desperate state of being devastated and destroyed by sin. Jesus came in and entered into our storm. He, comes, he came into our world for this purpose so that he could take the death sentence of eternal judgment that was placed on every one of our lives. He walked out into that storm. He took it on himself so that when he died on a cross, he died once for all, embracing the full blow of the crushing wave of God's wrath against sin. He, he let the full wave land on him, the wave that was poured out from the cup of God's wrath the rightful judgment against sin. And when Jesus absorbs the full blow, he cries out, it's finished. I've drank the last drop. I've absorbed the full blow. So that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ by faith never has to face the judgment for sin on themselves. When you believe in Jesus Christ by faith, the only appropriate fear-triumphing kind of faith In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven of your sins and you're given new life. How? Because the invisible, eternal Spirit of God comes. Not something you feel, not something you see. It's the invisible Spirit. And it enters into your, His Spirit enters into your spirit. And when God's Spirit enters into your spirit, He not only forgives you of sin, but He gives you new, eternal life. The new kind of eternal life that transforms your circumstances, transforms your situation, transforms your perspective. So that when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, everything changes. I want you to see a little bit more of Brian's story. Check this out. My uh, real estate broker, Eric, he, uh, he said, Brian, I don't mean to be weird with you, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I, f- I felt the scripture, like, jump out at me. I've never done this before, you know, so I don't really know 
how to do this, but I felt like this would mean something to you. It's Matthew 11:28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I didn't know if it was real, but you know, they invited me to church a couple, couple weeks later, and I had received Christ at the church. I went home, neglected my daughter, got it all smooth and powdery. Jesus, you gotta take these drugs from me. Search me right now, search my heart. I felt so much fatherly love from, from heaven. And it was like, I don't condemn you. I love you, I love you. It was just love, love. And instantly, that love from God came into me. It was so powerful that the next day I threw away all my drugs and uh, I quit corn. I was like, I'm quitting corn and I'm gonna raise my kid because my kid, like I got the love from God coming to me and then it came out of me to my kid. It changed me, my heart was changed like that. And I was like, Janaea, daddy's gonna be home with you all the time, I'm quitting my career. And her face lit up and she's like, for me? You know, she felt so special and uh, God used her to save me, to save her life later on. So appreciate Brian being willing to share his story, saying, look, at my most desperate moment, when life was crushing it around me, when there was good reason to be afraid for my life, somebody was willing to have the courage to tell me about Jesus Christ. And I cried out to Jesus, and I experienced the overwhelming love of a father who reached down into the waters of my destruction and pulled me out. He set my feet on solid ground. There's no other rock with which you can anchor your feet in the middle of storms than Jesus Christ. He's not just the lighthouse that you look to to find direction. He is the Savior. He's the one that reaches into our waters and draws us out. He's the one that invites us out onto the waters and says, hey, come to me. And and that's exactly what what Jesus does. And so I want to encourage you, um, your first step is this. Don't try to do this on your own. Don't just say, yeah, I'm going to overcome my fears. No, your fears will destroy you. The only fear-triumphing faith must be placed in Jesus Christ. But when you place your faith in Jesus, everything changes. That's a simple confession. Jesus, I believe in you as my Lord and Savior. Now, I want to challenge you because I think that there's many of you, you've called out to Jesus before. I want to encourage you, this becomes a way of life. Every time fear begins to try to overtake you, every time the waters feel like they're devastating you, that's your moment to once again call out to Jesus, to once again experience the saving power of Jesus Christ, to allow the good news, the gospel of Jesus, to reignite the fire of faith in you again. So this isn't just a one-time thing. This is every time kind of thing. All right, now, as you place your faith in Jesus, something is going to begin to happen, and I don't want you to miss this significant part of the story, and it's this. Faith is the courage to face the impossible. When you meet Jesus, and Jesus, when you know that Jesus has not abandoned you, that he's with you in the storms, he's with you in the midst of your fears, it invi- that faith invites you through Jesus Christ to step into impossibilities. Listen to the rest of this story. It's incredible. So remember, Peter said, Jesus, if that's really you, I'm so desperate. Tell me to come to you. Get me out of this boat. Come, he said. And Jesus invites him to come to him. And right now, Jesus is inviting you to come to him. Then Peter, crazy, 
got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. A couple of things that are important about this. Um, Peter's invited to do what Jesus has already done. Jesus is walking on the water. Peter's not making this up. Peter's following Jesus. Jesus walked on water. Peter's walking on water. Interestingly, also in this moment, Jesus has said, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. That, That little phrase, Peter, that Jesus uses, it is I, is actually the way, if you guys, some of you would, you, you would know this, but I'm going to just give you a little backstory. There was this guy named Moses who uh, is called by God to rescue the entire nation of Israel from slavery in Egypt. He has this moment where he encounters God in the desert, and he sees a burning bush. And when he goes to the bush, this bush that burns but is never consumed, um, he meets God there, and he says, what's your name? And God says to him simply, I am. And it's a, it's a word in the Hebrew that's it's called Yahweh. Some translated Jehovah. It's this powerful word that means I I am who I am. I am the uncreated, awesome God who rules over everything and loves you. That's kind of like a brief, quick way to describe it. When Jesus says, it is I, he's actually using the translation of that term, I am. So they, he walks out in the water. They're scared out of their mind. He, they say to him, like, ah, it's a ghost. And he says, don't be afraid. I am. I, the uncreated God, who's awesome in power, who loves you, has showed up on the scene. Peter goes, tell me to come to you. Jesus says, come to me. Peter begins to walk on the water. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, once again, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. I want to challenge you with something. Fear is believing in the evil, believing in what can go wrong, believing in danger, believing in trouble, right? Fear is placing your faith in the negative. See it? Faith is believing that God triumphs over troubles, doubts, danger, the troubles of life. So we have a choice. Do I place my faith in Jesus or do I place my faith in the circumstances of life? You want to you walk in faith that conquers fear? Then you step into the impossibilities of life. And I want to challenge you. If your dreams are not bigger than you, you're not living by faith. You're walking in fear. Fear is limiting your destiny. Because you're allowing fear to define the possibilities of your life. If what you're pursuing with your life is not impossible for you to accomplish, then you are not living a life pursuing God. If you are pursuing God, then the dreams and the destiny and the purpose of your life will always be impossible for you to do on your own. He's going to invite you out into the waters of impossibility. And now it's up to you to whether you're going to walk on the water or freak out, get scared out of your mind, and stay in the boat. I want to challenge you. Jesus is inviting you in your desperate situation to step out and begin to, in faith, in the faith of Jesus Christ, to begin to walk into impossibilities. And I get it. When you step out into the impossibilities, you're still going to be scared out of your mind. These moments don't make fear vanish. It's not that fear disappears. You're human. Peter is human. He's scared out of his mind. He sees the waves. He freaks out. He starts sinking. 
Jesus reaches in, pulls him back up. There's, this is going to happen in your life over and over again. When you start following Jesus, you're going to get scared out of your mind. You're going to be walking on water going, I don't know what I'm doing. This is, this is craziness. What is happening? And then you're going to sing. Jesus is going to reach in, pull you out. Where's your faith? Come on. I want you to walk by faith, not by fear. This is a, fa- a fear-triumphing kind of faith. Come on, I'm giving you more faith. Here's what's going on. First, I'm going to challenge you to walk into the impossibilities. Allow God to put dreams and destiny and desires in your heart that are impossible for you to accomplish on your own and require God to show up regularly in your life. Would you begin to give? financially in a way that scares you? Would you begin to be, be loving towards your family and friends in a way that scares you? Would you operate in compassion, in serving, in friendship, in generosity in a way that scares you, that feels impossible? And when you do, you're going to discover this final piece, which is faith, like a muscle, must continue to be strengthened. Think about what happened. Peter, scared out of his mind, desperate, Jesus, tell me to come to you. Come on, Peter. Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water. He's doing the impossible. Then fear kind of takes back over. He starts sinking. Jesus reaches in, picks him up, sets him, you know, lifts him out of the troubles of his life. What's happening? Why is this going on? Here's what's happening. These disciples know that Jesus can feed hungry people. They know he can heal the sick. They know he can cast demons out of possessed people. They know he can raise the dead. What they don't know is how much he loves them. That he's going to show up in their impossibilities. He's going to show up in their troubles and in their fears. What they don't know is that their faith needs to be strengthened. So the way God strengthens our faith is he puts us into impossible situations that test us and strengthen us. Here's what God does. He puts us into situations where the only way we're going to get out of it is for him to show up. And when you see God show up over and over and over, your faith continues to grow. Your confidence in God continues to grow. God wants to strengthen your faith like a muscle. So the next time you face an impossible situation, just interpret it differently. Even though you're afraid, even though you're scared out of your mind, look at this impossible situation as an opportunity for you to discover God's presence. Look at it as an opportunity for God to show up in the midst of your, tri- your crisis, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your troubles, and allow your faith to grow like a muscle so the next time you face an impossibility, you have a greater confidence that God is going to show up. God wants to strengthen the muscles of faith in your life. And so I want to invite you to respond right now. Some of you... You're in trouble. Your, your life is like being in a boat rocked by storms. And your answer is that Jesus has come up alongside of you and he's inviting you to call out to him. And your response is to call out to Jesus, come to me. And right now I invite some of you, you need to come to Jesus by faith. You need to allow him to become the Lord and Savior of your life. Others of you, you need to come back to Jesus. You've kind of strayed, and you're doing this on your own. You're, you're depending on yourself, and it's time for you to get back to depending on Jesus. And then, finally, there's some of you who it's time for you to begin to walk into the impossibilities, allowing your faith to be stretched and strengthened, allowing the Holy Spirit to cause you and compel you to begin to live in greater destiny. So I want to encourage you to take a moment right now. Would you begin to pray and allow God's Spirit to speak to your heart and life? Would you do that right now? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.